Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of age. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We find ourselves in the Gospel of Matthew for our final appearance of Jesus. And this really isn't the final, final appearance of Jesus because we know that Jesus appears to many others and there's all kinds of appearances that aren't even recorded but are kind of alluded to within the Gospels. And then we know that also Jesus appears to Paul in a few different times that he recalls throughout his letter, at least a couple different times that he recalls throughout his letters having visions or actual appearances of Jesus to him in his life and in his ministry. We also have a uh, tradition that Peter, as he was leaving Rome after Rome caught on fire in the 60s and Nero was blaming the Christians and was beginning to persecute the Christians there, that Paul or that Peter was leaving Rome and that as he was leaving, he saw somebody walk by and he recognized them as Jesus and he turned around and said, where are you going, Lord? And Jesus says to him that I'm going to be crucified again. And Peter saw this as a sign of Jesus calling Peter to follow through with what he knew was his end uh, result, which was that he was going to be crucified just like Jesus was, martyred for his faithfulness to Jesus. And so Paul turns, or Peter turns back around and he heads back into the city. So we also have some tradition of Jesus appearing to Peter even in those moments. But this is one of the last, at least, official appearances of Jesus before he ascends into heaven and uh, as he's giving his last commands to the church. And it happens in Galilee. It happens as the disciples obey Jesus and go to Galilee to find him there. And we saw in our passage in John how Jesus interacts with them as they're fishing and have kind of just gone back to what they're comfortable with, what they know. And that Jesus challenges them to remember the calling that he has given to them. And so here in this mountaintop experience that they now have with Jesus in Galilee, Jesus is actually commissioning them. We call this passage the Great Commission. And we use it all the time within the church to understand what is it that the mission we have as a church is for the world. And that God gave the church this mission through Jesus here in this spot, in this appearance of Jesus after the resurrection. What does it mean? Well, you probably have heard tons of sermons on this, and I'm probably not going to say anything drastically different than what you've heard in the past. Um, maybe some of what I say you'll remember and it'll click as something you've heard before. Maybe something I'll say you'll, you'll think you've never heard before, but maybe you've heard it 10 times. Um, but maybe there's something that I might say that maybe makes you think about this passage in a way different than you had thought about it before. Whatever it is, I hope that we all would be challenged and encouraged by the incredible responsibility that God has given to us to participate in his unfolding mission, his unfolding revelation of the kingdom of God here on earth, right now, in this time, in this space, that you are called into this. You, sitting on your couch, 
in your pajamas, drinking a cup of, of hot cocoa or a cup of coffee and eating an omelet or a waffle or a pancake or whatever it is that you are doing right now. The advantage of us all being at home is we can be doing whatever we want and nobody else is there to judge us. Uh, so that's great. I'm glad and I hope that you're comfortable sitting. But even now, even in whatever situation you're currently in, God has invited you and called you into the mission that he is bringing about in this world through his church. God is calling you to participate in that. So let's look at the words that Jesus says. Jesus starts off and he says, go. Go, therefore. But there's kind of a little bit of a mistranslation there because as we just hear the word go, it sounds just more like a command. It sounds as though it's some kind of order in which Jesus is telling us to go. But actually, the Greek doesn't come across as an order. It doesn't come across as a command. See, there's, there's definitive different kinds of ways that you can write verbs in the Greek language to make them a command, to make them something that you're supposed to do. And even though this could be interpreted potentially as a command because of the context, the verb that Jesus uses for go is actually very different than a, com a normal command. And so it should give you reason to pause if you understand Greek, and I barely understand Greek, uh, but I've taken four years of it throughout my theological education. Uh, but if you do understand a little bit, when you hit this verb, you kind of immediately begin to realize that there's something weird about it, that it's not quite what you would expect to be in this place. And so the verb I've heard others say would be better to be translated as, as you are going. And in fact, it's a passive tense. It's not even an action that somebody's supposed to be doing. It's, it's like almost like an action that's happening upon you. And so it's, it's more the concept and the idea that as you continue on in life, as you continue going, right? At the end of services, especially lately, I've had a hard time because as I give my charge and benediction, I've been saying, as you go from worship, and, and it sounds like I'm telling you to go, go out, go outside or whatever else, and that's not really what I'm intending, and I've corrected myself a few times, that as you go out from our collected gathering and as you go, back into your normal life, take this with you. It's the same kind of sense that Jesus is doing here in this passage. He's saying that from this point forward, from this point on, here are your marching orders. Here is how you are to act. Here is the mission in which I am calling you and inviting you to participate in throughout the entirety of your life. As you are going, as you leave here, as you continue on, might be a better way to put it. Now, for a lot of us, we think that we live until we're 65, we retire from our job, and then our life should be leisure after that. We get to choose what we want to do, and we just, we relax. But there's no such thing as retiring from the mission that God has given to us. Never once is there some kind of a package of severance or a package of retirement that we are offered while we are still alive in this world. No, we are called to the mission of Jesus Christ, the unfolding mission of Jesus Christ in this place and in this time 
when we're 90 years old as equally as when we're nine years old. And so there's no excuse. There's no excuse because at the beginning of Jesus' command to the disciples is as you continue on, as you are going, as, while you live life and go forward from here, here's what you are to be. So if you're watching this and you're in your 70s, 80s, or 90s, you are just as important to the mission of God today as you were 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 90 years ago. You're just as important. And if you're 10 years old and you're somehow able to pay attention to me just rambling on here and you're listening, you are just as important to the mission of God right now as you will be for the rest of your life. You can make a difference in the lives of those around you as you faithfully seek to follow Jesus and to teach others about him. What an encouragement to us buried in the obscure language of Greek, biblical Greek from the first century. What a beautiful message that no matter what point of our lives that we find ourselves in, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter where we end up in life, where we end up going or, or where we end up coming back to or whatever, that we are still invited to participate in the unfolding mission of Jesus through his church, and to the world. You're called. Today as you were called yesterday, and you are called tomorrow as you are called today. There is no excuse. And what a great joy you have to be invited into this work. So Jesus says what it is that they are to do on their going, as they are continuing on in life, as they go about their normal lives and as they maybe travel from place to place, whatever it would be, what is it that they're supposed to be doing? And he says, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Interesting idea here, disciples. The word disciple comes from the word actually in um, a different language, but it, it comes from the word for one who is taught or somebody who is learning. So somebody who intentionally places themselves at the feet of a teacher to learn from that teacher the wisdom that they have to share. And it was important in Jesus' day that when a disciple is chosen by, by a rabbi that there is a significant um, calling that is a part of that. That when a rabbi chooses you and says that I see some promise and some character in you and I want you to follow me and learn from me, there's, there's some significance there that is beyond really a, an explanation in human words. That, that that rabbi is inviting somebody else in to become a part of their way of thinking, a part of their way of life, to become a conversation partner in life together, to learn together what it means to follow after the God of Israel. And so when Jesus calls his disciples, he calls them from these unorthodox places. He calls fishermen and tax collectors and you know, various different people that no other rabbi probably would have chosen. In fact, none of them were chosen by other rabbis up to this point. And yet Jesus calls them into a life of fellowship, a life of learning, a life of unity with his being and with his wisdom and with his teaching so that they might become more like him. Rob Bell talks a little bit about um, 
some, some ideas from um, the first century through uh, various different scholars that he's read. Uh, this image, this idea that the disciples would take their call so seriously to follow after their rabbi that they would literally be like right on their heels and writing down as many things as they could write down to remember what their rabbi says. And that it would literally be that as their rabbi scoots about town and kicks up dust from all the dirt roads and the dustiness that was around, that they would become covered in the dust of their rabbis. That the dust being kicked up from their rabbi being busy around town, going around and teaching and, and, and ministering, that they would become covered with that dust that they're kicking up. And it, it was almost a sense of a, of a union, of a joining with this rabbi, of a faithfulness to be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And this is something I think we Christians can use as an image of what it means to follow after Jesus, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And so Jesus is calling his, his disciples, the ones that he has called into his life, and he's asked them to become a part of his teaching and a part of who he is and to become formed into his image so that they might be able to go and continue the mission that God had given to him into the world after he's gone. So he's now giving that mission to them and he's telling them that they should go and they should make more disciples. They should go and make more disciples. That means that, that they have to have their eyes open to see people and to call them into a relationship with Jesus. Now notice this. Can you do this if you just walk up to somebody and give them a sandwich? No, they're not going to know anything about why you're giving them that sandwich. They're not going to know anything about the fulfillment and the love and the peace and the purpose that you found in your Lord Jesus if you just give them a sandwich. Now, is it a bad thing to make a sandwich for somebody who needs a sandwich and give it to them? No, it's not a bad thing at all. It's a wonderful thing. But if you don't tell them about Jesus and if you don't invite them to follow Jesus, then you are not participating in that mission which Jesus here in Matthew gives to you and invites you into. That your purpose is not just to feed the hungry, not just to comfort those who are afflicted. Those are important things and we need to do those things as well. And Jesus commands those things and Jesus says those are part of his mission. But Jesus here says that our primary purpose is to make disciples, to make people who will choose to follow in the footsteps of Jesus so closely that they would be covered in his dust. That they would begin to look like Jesus and act like Jesus and that they would live their lives as Jesus desires for them to live their lives. And that they themselves will be invited into the very mission that you have been invited into here in Matthew 28. And that they will go out and make disciples. So you got a couple questions to ask here. One is, are you that kind of disciple? Have you been kind of aloof and staring at Jesus from a distance, studying him as though some kind of object of oddity and wondering about who he is, but you've never really fully committed yourself to learning so much about Jesus that you begin to act like Jesus yourself, to live in a fellowship and friendship with Jesus daily that you might be covered in his dust metaphorically. 
Have you avoided that by standing off and living your life however you want to live it and just observing Jesus somewhere out there and agreeing with some of the things he says and saying, oh yeah, Jesus, that guy, he's a wise guy. Yeah, yeah, he's savior of the world. But nothing fundamentally changes about you. So the first question for us to ask as we encounter this passage is, are we fully disciples of Jesus? Have we committed to a life of following in Jesus' footsteps and loving him? Second question we need to ask is, if we have, if we are following Jesus around, then why aren't we inviting others to do the same? Why have we kept our mouths shut for so long? And why have we um, not chosen to share the incredible meaning and purpose and healing that we have found in Jesus with others? Why have we not invited, like Jesus did to us, others to join this strange band of learners, disciples? It just got really, really bright. Let me turn that down. Bet you never thought your pastor would have to adjust exposure settings mid-preaching, huh? But there you go. <laughs> We're in a new world. So even today, even now, you are you are invited into a relationship with Jesus and you are invited to into an unfolding mission that Jesus has given you to do and that is to invite others into the fold and teach them what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Is this our focus? Now it is our mission statement as a church that we are to make disciples. But do we do it? It's a challenge, a question for us as we're faced with this invitation of Jesus to participate in something that's so much greater than any one of us. And then he says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. In other words, I've, I've preached on baptism at other times, but I think baptism is a sign of identifying with Jesus. It's kind of like putting on a, a sports jersey and saying I'm an A's fan or I'm a 49ers fan or I'm a Tigers fan or I'm a Lions fan. Lions fans, they're long-suffering. Those, those guys and girls, uh, they know what it means to suffer, right? And you put this identity on yourself, this thing that we now identify with, this community, this subculture, this group. And baptism, in a way, is, is us recognizing that Jesus put on our identity that Jesus became human. Jesus actually really was human and he came to this earth and he died on the cross for us. And so in baptism, we enter into Jesus's humanity and his death and then his resurrection and we find new life in him. And so when Jesus says, go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, he's saying, make disciples who are going to be so tied to the identity of the work of God and the Father and Son and Holy Spirit and, the, and Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross and the, and the work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in that, that they are going to be marked and stamped forever with the identity of God. And he says, and in teaching them to obey all of my commandments just as I have taught you. Teaching them to obey. So there's an ongoing process of learning of what it means to follow after Jesus and to be a part of his commands. Now if we think about Jesus' commands, Jesus' commands are pretty simple, right? It's not like Jesus wrote 
a list of 622 different laws in which people should fulfill. In fact, he kind of rebelled and rejected those notions of the people in his day and age. And Jesus simplified it. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you would be one as I and the Father are one. And so our command is to love self-sacrificially, to give of ourselves to one another and to the world in a way that is redemptive, in a way that is healing, in a way that is grace-filled and forgiving. That is how we are called to give ourselves to others. This is the commandment, the chief commandment of Jesus to his disciples. What an incredible thought that God has given to us this morning, that he's invited you into a relationship that you have such a purpose and a call that you, no matter where you go, no matter where you find yourself, can show the love of God to others. You can be blessed by God as you show to others what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and to follow in all of his ways. So the Great Commission is our passage this morning, what we reflect on this morning. And we're going to end at the end of the service with the Great Commission being our commission. But I want you to sit and think this week. Read this passage every single day this week. Reflect on the words that God has spoken to you this morning. And I want you to challenge yourself to think and to pray about where your place is in this unfolding mission of God. Are you still in that spot where you're looking from a distance and haven't chosen really, chosen really to be a disciple of Jesus? Are you in the spot where you're following after Jesus but you've failed somehow to remember that you're also supposed to be inviting others into it? Where are you at? And what are you doing to participate in this incredible invitation Jesus has given to you this morning? Now, as we reflect on that, as we pray on that, let us remember that we come weekly and we recognize and worship God with an offering. Now, we say it every single week, it's not about the money that you put into the offering plate. It's not about the check that you're going to send into Karen Fuller uh, or into the, um, your, your money that you're going to put into the uh, link on our Facebook page or on our website or whatever. It's, it's not about that. Now, you have committed to supporting the ministries of First Presbyterian, or if you have committed to supporting the ministries of First Presbyterian Church of Dearborn, we absolutely thank you and appreciate you because it's only because of your faithfulness and your giving to the ministries that God is doing here that we're able to continue to do what we think God are calling us to do as a body. But more than that, you need to recognize and think about the fact that every single aspect of you belongs to God. Every single aspect of you belongs to God. And you need to examine yourself and wonder, is there a place that you've held back from Jesus and that you haven't given him lordship of that space in your life? Is there a place that you need to pray and release and ask Jesus to come and be Lord over that? And as we reflect and as we pray about the Lord's, or about uh, Jesus's commandment to us or Jesus's invitation to us to bring his gospel to others, that we would pray that the Lord become Lord over all of us and that we would give God the glory and the praise in this time of worshiping God through the giving of his tithes and our offering. Friends, I'm not even the one giving you the charge. Just read Matthew 28. 
read our passage from this morning and Jesus is telling you, as you continue on with your life, as you are going about your business, make disciples, make people who will choose, invite people into a relationship with Jesus, to follow him, to learn from his ways and to be covered in his dust like you hope to be covered in his dust as you become like him in your pursuit after him. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, helping them to see their identity as being stamped with the work of God and in Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross and teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded, teaching them to have one mind, to love others as the, in the way that Jesus has loved us. Go. Go from here and be part of God's fulfillment and unfolding of this mission and this promise to our world in whatever way you can this week. And may the God who commissioned you, who invited you into this incredible mission, give you everything you need to accomplish it each and every day as you are going. Amen.